With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pecan. That's blogtalkradio.com slash pecan. You can send messages to the show on Twitter at GoForItGant, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. And while you're there on Twitter, give us a follow at Twitter, on Twitter, excuse me, at GoForItGant, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by Hall of Famer Willie Rose. Going to get Willie Rose's take a little bit on the draft and also the draft process for him and how it went for him back in 1993. Also, we're going to be joined by Patrick Patterson of the Toronto Raptors. Toronto Raptors lose to the Brooklyn Nets in an exciting seven-game series. Lost at the buzzer. Lost at the end. Paul Pierce block of Kyle Lowry to end the ball game. So we're going to talk to Patrick Patterson about that. And also, we may be joined by Cliff Rold of BoxingScene.com. Might be joined by him to talk Mayweather, Maidana. What a great fight that was. What a great fight that was. I mean... That was a great fight, uh, an absolute awesome fight. And last Saturday was an absolute awesome day in the world of sports. You could not do better than what we saw last Saturday in the world of sports. Kentucky Derby, three-game sevens, Mayweather-Maidana. I mean, you had it all on that particular day. It was very, very exciting. I want to go down to the NFL draft. NFL draft, hot and heavy right now. Round one went on Thursday, rounds two and three on Friday, and now the diehards, if you will, we're talking the diehards at this point, four, five, six, and seven uh, to end the week, I guess the, the last three days, the weekend of the draft. And the NFL has done a great job with this draft and making this thing an event, the red carpet, people have an entry and walk-in music. I mean, the NFL has done a great job of making this an event, a sellable event that everybody loves. You know, a lot of people carve out a lot of time in terms of watching this draft, a lot of people. But today, I mean, the first round is done, second round is done, third round is done. Today is about Michael Sam and, and where he's going to go. That's, that's one of the guys that's left, A.J. McCarron. Where is he going to go? Another guy still on the, on the board, Zach Mettenberger from LSU, Aaron uh, Aaron Murray from Georgia. So you got uh, some quarterbacks who, who did some work 
last season for their respective teams in the SEC, the best conference in football, college football. So you, you have some quarterbacks out here who have made plays on a collegiate level, made a lot of plays, actually. So we'll, we'll see what happens. And the thing is Michael Sam, who can become the first openly gay NFL athlete. So that that's going to be uh, very interesting to see who picks Michael Sam and where he lands moving forward. Let's go back to round one. And round one, to me, a lot of excitement, a lot of intrigue. Number one intrigue is who was going to go number one. Was it going to be Clowney? Could it be Bortles? Could it even possibly be Johnny Manziel? But ultimately it was Jadavian Clowney. And you look at the Houston Texans also getting Lewis Nix out of Notre Dame yesterday in that third round. So you're you're talking about a team now, Nix and, and J.J. Watt and, and Jadavian Clowney. You're, going to, you're talking about a team that can get after the quarterback. It's a team that doesn't really have a quarterback at this point in time, but this is a team that can get after the quarterback, at least as a start. But obviously the Houston Texans had to go after Jadavian Clowney. He was arguably the most talented guy in this draft, probably probably the guy with the, the biggest upside. I mean, he was a freak. He was a freak, he was a freak of nature. So obviously that was the pick that the Houston Texans had. That's the direction they had to go in. You could not pass on Jadavian Clowney. You couldn't. I mean, then it got, you know, fairly interesting along the way. I mean, you look at Sammy Watkins, who saw the Buffalo Bills. I mean, they, they went up. They were aggressive. They were aggressive in getting Sammy Watkins. Went up to four and gave up a first-rounder next year to get up to four. I mean, they, they paid the price to get to Sammy Watkins. They paid the price to get to Sammy Watkins. There's no doubt about that. They paid the price. The price is a little steep. And I know a lot of people believe Sammy Watkins is a can't-miss type prospect, but the price is, 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 is steep. It's a steep price, a steep price to move up to get Sammy Watkins, a steep price. I mean, they went up, and they were aggressive about it. And obviously, ultimately, the Buffalo Bills were traded away their stud wide receiver, Stevie Johnson. So they would trade away Stevie Johnson to the San Francisco 49ers. If you're the 49ers, that's a nice pickup for you. To go along with Crabtree, to go along with Bolden, to go along with what you have in Vernon Davis, that's a heck of a pickup. Now you give Colin Kaepernick more weapons. If you're the Buffalo Bills, questionable. It's questionable. Because I, I heard the talk about E.J. Manuel. Who's to say E.J. Manuel is going to be a big-time quarterback in this league? Who's to say that's going to happen? Who's to say that's going to happen? So now Buffalo, a team that hasn't been in the playoffs in a long time, they're banking on being better because they're going, you would hope they would be better because bottom line is their first-rounder is going to the Cleveland Browns. Their first-rounder is off to Cleveland, off to Cleveland. So you look at it, Buffalo better be good next year. And how about the Browns? I mean, you got to like what they did, not only getting another first-rounder, which could be a high first-rounder for your 2015, but you pick up a decent corner at eight, and also you pick up – possibly what could be a franchise-caliber quarterback in Johnny Manziel. 
a franchise-caliber quarterback in Johnny Manziel. That's a possibility there. You have that in Cleveland. And here's the thing. I'm not so sold on Johnny Manziel. I don't necessarily believe that Johnny Manziel will be a big-time quarterback in this league. I know Ron Jaworski, who studied quarterbacks, who knows quarterbacks better than I'll ever know, is not very high on this guy. Ron Jaworski's not high on him. But, you know, you, you get different type of talk from different type of people, obviously. Everybody has different opinion, varying opinions on this guy. But I will say this. It was a good pickup for the Cleveland Browns. I mean, this is a, this is a Browns organization that needs and is dying for a buzz. I mean, they need a buzz. So from an, a buzz standpoint, from an excitement standpoint, and who knows? Who knows? One thing I like about Johnny Manziel, the kid has swagger. The, the, the kid has that something about him that on the surface I'm seeing Doug Flutie, Jeff Garcia, uh, and that's not a bad career. Is it a Super Bowl winning career? No, but it's not a bad career. That's what I'm seeing on the surface. I'm seeing Jeff Garcia. I'm seeing uh, uh, Doug Flutie. That's what I'm seeing. Now, we've seen he's under six foot, and we've seen Russell Wilson, who is under six foot, win a Super Bowl. We've seen Drew Brees have success and win a Super Bowl. So the reality is he is under six foot, but we've seen under six foot win Super Bowls in this league. Furthermore, he's a Heisman Trophy winner. He has moxie. He's tough. But could he be on too tough for his own good? And that's the one thing I, I look at Michael Vick. Michael Vick is a small guy, a small guy. He's, but he's one of those guys, ultra competitive and too tough for his own good. And I think at this point in his career, he's evolving into understanding that he's got to slide, that he's got to get out of bounds. He doesn't really know how to slide. He goes head first. But he's got to get down. Can't take the big hit. That's the thing about Russell Wilson. Doesn't take the big hit. He avoids the big hit. And at all costs, Russell Wilson avoids the big hit. And that's what makes him successful. He knows how to get the yardage do what he's got to do, and get down. Michael Vick is evolving into that. And you look, and he's had a lot of injuries, so he needs to evolve into that one. But last year, you look at the injury, the injury they had was a fluke type of situation with a hamstring. So those things happen. Stuff like that happens. It's football. But the thing about Johnny Manziel, the, the thing about him, Will he – you see all of, his, all of his exciting plays and him getting out of the pocket and him, him, him making those highlight reel type of plays, him making those Johnny Heisman, Johnny football type plays. Out of the pocket, and, and, and I, I, I look at that, and I, and I wonder now, will he be smart enough to get down and play another down, be, be smart enough to live for another down? Will he be smart enough to do it? 
you know, the beauty of this guy, and I think what makes him so exciting, is his ability to keep plays alive and his ability to be a playmaker, his moxie. That's what uh, is so beautiful about this guy. But, again, this guy, he's got to find a way to stay healthy in this league. He's not that big. So can he stay healthy? Will he be able to to dedicate himself to staying in the pocket? Because at the end of the day in the NFL, you can run around, you can have all the athleticism in the world, but at the end of the day, you've got to be able to stand in there and throw from the pocket. Will Johnny Manziel be able to do that on the next level? So my question is, or I should say, will he be able to, will he dedicate himself to stay in that pocket when necessary? Will he be smart enough to get down and slide? What will it be with Johnny Menzel? Can he stay healthy? Can he stay healthy? And, and again, will he stay in the pocket? And will he be a proficient enough pocket passer in this league? Let's, we're going to bring in a guy now. Who, who knows a lot about the game, has done some big things in the National Football League, Hall of Famer, the one, the only, Willie Rove. Willie. How you doing? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Well, look, all right, what, 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 what made Michael Vick exciting early in his career? What was it? It wasn't his run in the pocket like he did late in his career. He ran around, he improvised, he made plays, he did stuff off athletic instinct, athletic and, and athletic ability and instinct. That's what made Michael Vick so excited when he was young in his career. True. But let me ask you this. I mean, do you do you think Johnny Menzel is as talented as Michael Vick? No, I'm not going to say he's as talented as Michael Vick. I think they're both, they are similar. Uh, I, I, I love uh, Johnny Manziel's accuracy on the line. He, he, mm-hmm. I've seen him throw some balls over the course of his college career on a rope while he's running. I think he's a very accurate quarterback. I think he's very smart. And I think he'll be able to understand. It took Michael Vick a long time to really start understanding, reading defenses, coverages, all that stuff. I think Johnny football has a high IQ. I know people look at him in different ways, but yes, he's gonna be. He's gonna have to stay in the pocket more. But when stuff breaks down, he's gonna make plays with his feet. Now, does he need to take those shots? No, he has to learn how to get out of bounds, how to slide, understand he's in an after football league. He's not gonna be able to dance around and do all that stuff he got away with in college. Right. What about the off the field stuff? Do you think he he'll mature enough to to limit all the off the field things? I think that he's in Cleveland, Ohio, and I know they're trying to they have a little downtown area. I was just there for a fan fest last weekend, but he's not going to be able to do too much in Cleveland. He has to understand that whatever which he which he's starting to. The problem with Johnny football is he's not doing anything other than all these other guys are doing right now. Right. It's just every time he goes out, people are watching and they're putting it on Twitter. They're putting it on TMZ. They're talking about everything he does. So with Johnny football, I have to understand that he's under a microscope and he needs to watch what he does. We know that. But when when it's time for football season and it's time to go to work, you need to limit how much you're going out anyway. You know, I think I think that he's done, he, I think he's smart enough to understand 
that right now he can have his fun, but when it comes time, when you get ready to go to training camp and when football season starts, you don't want to sit be seen out all the time. And I, and I don't think he'll be flying on his day off to L.A. or wherever and doing or going to different stuff because if he's doing a lot of that, it won't look good. Look good for him. So I think he, I think he understands after what he's been through already. That uh, you know, right now he's, you know, he's one of the most popular football players coming in that ever had this kind of attention. Let me ask this: Do you think at this point in time, Brian Hoyer? is the quarterback in Cleveland, but he's coming off an ACL injury, so we don't know what he's going to be. But at the end of the day, do you think Johnny Menzel will be starting opening day for the Cleveland Browns? If he's not starting opening day, he will be a starter before the season, before, before during the season, if he's not a starter opening day. Uh, he's got to learn the system. He's got to get his reps in. Uh, you know, they got to go through training camp. And then you know he's gonna he's gonna get to play a lot. So I would say this: if he's not a starter uh, by about game one, he will be a starter by game six. And I would you know, and, and it's just such a shame that uh, the receiver that missed two years uh, reported that Josh Gordon will might be Gordon, suspended again because yeah. that that kid, he, he he would need him. That kid has so much talent. I mean, what what did he, what he do? He missed he missed two games, Paul, and he had like fifteen other yards receiving, and then fourteen games. Led the, yeah, led the league in receiving yards last season. And played and played fourteen games. Right, and, and amazing. So, I mean, and you got to look at the quarterbacks he's played with: what Brian Hoyer, uh, Brandon Whedon, and Jason Campbell. So to put up those type of numbers with the type of quarterback play that he had to deal with, it, it's absolutely amazing. You hope. You hope that, you know, he can learn from this. But obviously, I, I look at it this way. I, I, I don't view marijuana. I don't touch the stuff. But, I, I mean, it's just marijuana at the end of the day. But I, I look at it this way. If you are smoking weed and you know you're not supposed to be smoking weed, then you got a problem. So hopefully he can get the help that he needs so he can overcome whatever is well, and, 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 and I saw him on uh, Hot Question earlier. He's down in Miami. You know, what happens is you get yourself in a situation where you're hanging out with all your boys, you're kicking it with your boys, they're all smoking it around you, you know, you know. so it's kind of just hard to just be. You have to take yourself out of that environment. If you know you can't do it, then you can't be hanging out with a bunch of guys that are partying and doing stuff that you can't do because it's just, it's just, it's just too, too hard peer pressure to be right there and you want to smoke it and you're drinking and you can't. Right. Exactly. So you, you just, we'll see what happens with that situation, but uh, he's probably going to be suspended for a year and that's a big blow to the Cleveland Browns and Johnny Manziel and everybody associated with the Browns. I mean, the, the kid's a playmaker. He's an absolute playmaker and they're, and they're definitely going to miss him. We're talking to Hall of Famer Willie Rowe. Willie, anything else that stood out uh, stood out for you Watching this draft on Thursday night. Um. No, you know I thought I thought it went pretty slowly. I thought it was um. Uh. When did when did Teddy Bridgewater go? Has he gone yet? He went thirty two. Thirty two to the to the Vikings. Okay, that's right. He went to the Vikings. Um. You know, I, it, 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 I think it went according to plan. I mean, I didn't. You know, a lot of receivers went early. A lot of, this was more of a receiver draft. A lot of receivers went right. in this, in high in this draft. Um, 
you know, like I said, I, you know, because of the salary cap and the way it is now, you know, a lot of teams are going to take the salary. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of linemen are going now. So I, I like to see that a lot of offensive, a lot of defensive linemen are going higher because, you know, they don't have it kept off. They don't have it where it was before when they were right. paying all their money. So they want to take, you know, obviously a quarterback or, or if it was, you know, they wouldn't take a defensive offensive lineman unless it was somebody like Clowney. But, you know, I like to see that, um, I think it was a small draft, and I like what the commissioner's doing uh, with, you know, starting that guy to play their own music and 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 yeah. um, the the neck on, and moving it for a whole day with the retired or Hall of Fame guys or whatever you want to call it on day two. So I think I think the commissioner's done a real good job mixing it up and really keeping it going for a few days so people are watching. Let me ask you this: I mean, you talked about the entry music that a lot of players had this time around during the NFL draft. Let's say you were going to get drafted. Let's, let's take it back to 1993. What would be Willie Rose's entry music when he got his name called back in 1993 as the number eight pick? What would have been your entry music? Um, <laughs> it would have been some, you know, I, I got to think back to what was out, what was, what was the hot song back then. Obviously, it would have been something. 93? I don't know what, you know, what, it would have been some, it, maybe rap or some some big R&B song that was out at the time. And uh, I don't really know what, I can't remember what was what was a big hit in 93. So, it, it would have been, it would have been probably maybe, maybe, maybe more towards the rap side. Uh, you got, I'm just looking at it now. You got Dr. Dre's Nothing But a G Thing. Um, that was back in 1993. You got, uh, I mean, just going through this, looking at 1993. Um, I mean, that would have been a pretty good song for you. Um, uh, uh, I wasn't a real big Dr. Dre, you know, and I, I, it probably wouldn't have been that. How, how about Slam by Onyx? No, it wouldn't have been, uh, it wouldn't have been Onyx either, no. <laughs> Hip Hop Parade by Naughty by Nature? It would okay. It would have been more toward the UGK. I'm from Arkansas. It would have been more toward the UGK side, toward uh, you know something down south. Okay, okay. Was Master P wasn't out in '93? No. No, Master P kind of blew up when I got to the Saints. Okay. Master P started blowing up when I when I got down there. Okay. All right. So you would have found. All right. So how about today? What about if it was today? 2014. 20, what if you would have got drafted today? What, what song would you have picked? Mm. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I, I, I like. Uh, it might have been. It might have been. It might have been. It might have been Rick Ross. It might have been. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. Uh, some. Uh, you know what? You know what? In '93, when I got drafted, was Tupac out there? It might have been a little too far back when I got drafted. If he, okay. I think he had a couple out back then. Uh, yeah, I get around. I get around without back in 1993. Yeah, yeah. So it might have been, it might have been some two back then, but uh, you know, I would say now would be, you know, it would have to be some. Um, it might have been, you know, uh, Chris Brown on a collaboration with somebody. You know, I like uh, uh, Chris Brown. You know, his new songs. So it may be something like that. All right, all right, all right. 
let's look back at 1993, man, when, when you got drafted. And, and I look at some of these guys and their reaction. You see a lot of tears. You see a lot of happiness, a lot of hugs of mama and daddy and everything. What was your reaction when you heard your name back in 1993? I was all smiles. I was sitting there. Talking on the phone, I had my family and friends around, and uh, I was all smiles, man. I was just so excited, you know, especially coming from Louisiana Tech, and um, to hear my name, to 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 see that I was getting over to the New Orleans Saints, and I was at Louisiana Tech, and then and the way it all worked out with them trading up, and knowing I was going to be close to home, and you know, it was uh, it, I was I was very very excited about it, you know, because I was. Looking forward to, to to playing, but I was excited that I was going down to the Saints, and they were starting to build the program, and they had some real good years before that. They lost their playoff game a year before I got there to guess who the Philadelphia Eagles, ninety two, <laughs> I think. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was I was really, I was really excited. <laughs> You look at the way the draft is now. I mean, it's it's an event. I mean, it's a big time event. You got the red carpet going on there. You just got you know, it's a three day event. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's bigger than ever. Compare that to what you see today to the way it was for you back in 1993, and it's just the draft as a whole. Well, 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 we were one of the first. I think, if, if I'm not mistaken, we might have been the first one to. We were on ESPN to have it. You walked across the stage and did that. So it was a big event then. It wasn't to the magnitude it is now over the three days, but we were just the one class right before us was just the one starting to have the draft in New York. Everybody flew up there. We we got to stay there a couple of days, you know, had the draft at the um, music hall, and, you know, it, it was a lot of fun. So in that day it was still, you know, it was, it was big. The draft was big and uh you know, the hoopla around it was big, and, and uh, you know, I just remember going, a lot of people didn't know how I would go get drafted. I, I'm in Vegas with some old teammates of mine, and, you know, when I went top 10, they were just like, dang, I didn't know he was going that high. So, you know, I think uh, what I did was I went to the combine and did good. I did get my all-star games, and, uh, you know, I jumped in front of Lincoln Kelly, and I jumped on high. I didn't than what was expected, especially going into my senior year, so. Um, it, it was it was it was it was a big deal back then. It was you know obviously it was the media the way it is now, but uh, it was still big. Now, did you expect you expected to go in the first round, but you didn't expect to go top ten? Well, during my senior year, I thought I played against Alabama and um, had a real good game against Curry and um, London, and they had Copeland, and both of them went top ten. Yeah, After yeah. I played against Alabama and going later into the season, I knew, I, you know, after that game and stuff, I knew I moved up. And then when I got to the, when I got to the hold the ball and played good and went to the East West Shrine game and played good and then then went to the combine and and, and ran ran sub four five five point oh at the combine, and, you know, I, I you know I I knew that that I probably I probably was gonna go high. I'm just looking at some of the names in this draft. Strahan went in this draft. John Lynch went in 1993. Will Shields. Ray Will Buchanan. Shields. Yeah, Natron uh, Means went in 93. Joel Bennett. Yeah, Lincoln Kennedy. Robert Smith. Yeah, uh, 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 Drew Bledsoe. Yeah, number one pick. It was a good, it was a good draft. It was a good draft. Definitely. 
I'm the first one to make it to. I, I feel proud that I'm the first one that went to the hall for my class. Uh, right. But you do have lectures coming up. You have um, you have uh, uh, Michael Stringer just got in the hall. Will the finalist. Lynch was a finalist, and, uh, you know, but, I mean, that tells you, you got Will, me, Strahan, out of the whole class, you're looking at maybe, you know, five guys. We're talking to Hall of Famer Willie Rofe. And, Willie, I, I know you're out there in California. I know you attend a lot of Clippers games from time to time. The whole situation with Donald Sterling and, and you know, his unfortunate comments. Let me ask you this. Um you know, you had a lot of talk of boycott and things of that nature. Uh, your thoughts? Could you play for an owner that you know is a racist? Well, um, I, I, I would say this. You know, it would be it will it will be difficult. It, it will matter how much the owner is trying to be involved with the team. If you got an owner that you think or you think maybe be a racist, but you know, he's more of a solid guy, and you never see him and have to interact with him, and the people that are running the team are, are, are fair and treat you not, treat you okay, and, 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 they're, and they're good people, then I, I think I can work with that, and, and, and we're not interacting with him. Uh, the problem is when you have an owner that's, you know, publicly doing stuff and saying stuff and there all the time, and you know he needs a racist, then, 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 yeah, that would be a very, very difficult situation to work for. And um, I don't know if they're going to make, make them sell the team, but basically Donald Sterling will have nothing to do with that team. So really, even if they're playing for Donald Sterling, he has, he, he's, he's exiled from the team now. So they, they, don't, they, don't, they won't have any dealing with Donald Sterling. You know, but if you're seeing him all the time, if you're, you're mingling with him all the time, you know, that's a different situation. But at this point, they won't have any uh, interaction with him. And uh, the commissioner did the right thing um, by what he did. And, and, uh, and also, they made the president step down from uh, the Clippers here recently. So uh, I think they're trying to dis disassociate the people that were there before and, and were really uh, associated with Donald Sterling. Here's the thing. I want, I want you to get your, your thoughts on this. And here, here's my – it's a little hypocritical from my standpoint, and I'm going after the players here from this standpoint, Doc Rivers as well. They knew, and everybody has known, you know, you talk about the in terms of the housing lawsuit, and everybody has known over the years, the unfair housing lawsuit, everybody has known over the years that Donald Sterling probably was a racist. So they knew it for the most part before they signed on – to, to Doc, for Doc Rivers to coach the team, Cliff, Chris Paul to resign with the team, Blake Griffin to resign with the team. These guys probably knew that this guy was probably a racist, and they still went along with everything. I think it's a little hypocritical, hypocritical from this standpoint. All of a sudden, it comes out that you you hear you hear audio tape this, that, and the third, and you're talking about boycotting, and you don't necessarily want to play for this guy anymore. I just find it a little hypocritical because you already had an idea and probably already knew that this guy was a racist from the jump. Okay, but 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 but, but this isn't about that. This is about business. 
Chris Paul signed for how much? Almost 18 a year. Blake Griffin had a five-year, 98 million, whatever contract. Then he could have signed. What he, he, he got more than he would have got from any other team. Doc Rivers is making $7 million a year, the highest-paid coach in the league. So we can't say that the man isn't paying well. He's paying well. So I mean, if, if the man is paying well and, and doing uh, doing that, then I don't I don't I don't think you, you're living in LA. You know, you you get you get to go to all the premier events and do everything. So yeah, I mean I mean it's, yeah yeah they moved to a certain point and 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 his wife was a part of him dealing with the right. housing authority and doing looking at looking at the people the applicants and stuff like that. So what I'm saying to you is, is the bottom line. Uh, Green is what what they're looking at, and if they don't good, and if it's not right there in their face, then then then, then they're not worried about it. So, you know they're making good, very good money. They're, they're they're employed. They go to work every day. They get paid very well at the top of the league. So I mean I don't think they really really care how much interaction they're having with Donald Stone anyway. Other than seeing him at the game at the game with all these different little girls and. And, and 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 the one that was 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 the one of it led to the demise because he's right. running around with these young girls. So I mean, that, that, I mean, he bought this on himself. Yeah, definitely. I I just think it's it's it's, it's like this. I think it's similar to this. It's a it's a it's a man and a woman that are who, who are together, and the woman tells the man, "Yes, you can cheat on me, but don't embarrass me." The moment you embarrass me is the moment I have to do something, and I think that's what happened here. In my opinion, the moment that the players and the coaches are embarrassed is the moment that everybody has to do something. Hey, you got to kick Donald Sterling out the league. It's bad for business. Anybody that says that they don't want black people and, and black people support the NBA, black people love the NBA, and anybody who says he doesn't want black people at his game, I mean, from a business standpoint, you don't really have a choice but to try to get rid of yourself. Let's be clear about that comment. I don't think it was that he didn't want him at the game. He didn't want him walking around with her at the game. That's what he didn't want. He was mad about what she was doing, and she didn't want her doing it because everybody knew she sat up there by him. So that's what there's a difference in the thing. She was going, and everybody knew she was Miss Clipper, the, the opposite of the girl who turned the recorder there, not his wife. Right. And he didn't want her sitting or walking around or doing stuff with him because it looked bad on him because that's supposed to be his whatever you want to call that relationship was. So it was more about don't be walking around with them at the game because everybody knows you're associated with me. You see, right. you see my point. I see so it was more of a control thing that he didn't want people to see her walking in with the, be with the guy because they're gonna say, "Oh, Donald Sterling's girl is walking in with Maggie Johnson or whoever." He didn't want her walking in. Now she didn't mind her going and walking out with people outside, you know, uh, of the basketball arena. He just didn't want her walking around with them at his game. <laughs> We're talking a Hall of Famer, Willie Ruff. Willie, I know you're a big NBA fan. Let me ask you this. How you see this thing playing out and, and in terms of who is going to be there when it's all said and done? Who do you think is going to win it all? The Pacers looked good last night. They won, didn't they? They did. Looked real good. Um, the way it looks right now, um, it's hard to root against the Heat, and it's hard to root against the Spurs again. 
The Spurs look great. They, they're playing great. The Heat look great. Um, you know, the Heat can turn it up when they when they need to. Other than, I mean, um, did Oklahoma City win last night? They won last Oklahoma, night too. They did win last uh, night. Yeah. Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City looks like they're they're they're, they're on a mission. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be good. it's gonna be if Oklahoma City and the Spurs play, that's gonna be a tough tough series. If right. Oklahoma City get past the Clippers, Clippers, that will be a tough series. And um, the Heat and the Pacers are gonna be if the, if the Pacers can, if, you know, I don't know what was going on over there with with uh, with with uh, with um, Andrew Bynum, but it seems like the same old thing. As soon as the Pacers cut ties with Bynum and let him go and, and got him away from that complex. Uh, 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 the big boys started playing a lot better. I don't know what was going on. I, you know what was going on over there with um with with the, you know the big the big kids in Georgetown. But as Hard soon as Bynum, they, right here, as soon as Bynum um, left, they they cut their ties. I mean, he started picking it up again. So I mean, uh, you, you know, I mean, I mean, he's got to play well for them to play well and, and do well in these playoffs. And when he shows up to play, they're a different team, uh, and because he can control the game in so many different ways. But right. it's it's it looks like even though Indiana was looked like they were falling apart, that I mean they're gonna they're gonna they have a good chance to make it back to the to the Eastern Conference Finals and. and I mean, this, that's going to be a knockdown drag out between them and the Heat. And the same thing I was saying between Oklahoma City and uh, San Antonio, that's going to be a, those are going to be some real good series. For sure, for sure. A lot of great NBA basketball to be, has been played at this point and a lot of great NBA basketball to be played and, moving forward. Go ahead. And, you know, I would love for LeBron to repeat. You know, I'm a Heat fan, so. If LeBron three peats, the question is, does he stay or does he go? I think it's hard to go if you three peat. You know, I, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see him. I don't see him. With, with, if people talk about Cleveland, I, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't ever think he would go back to Cleveland, especially with all the stuff that was going on with the players there, with the owner uh, this year after he left. But I was thinking there may be a chance for him to go to the Clippers. Um, but, but but with all the Donald Stern and stuff, he's not going there. So I don't I don't I don't I don't see LeBron going anywhere. I I don't know. I mean, because I look at the situation in Miami, and you know the second best player on that team, Dwayne Wade. How much basketball does Dwayne Wade actually have left? I mean, this is a guy who's missed a lot of basketball this season, set out for various reasons in terms of you know health and, and in terms of just trying to rest him up and get him ready for the playoffs. I mean, moving forward, you probably won't be able to rely on Dwayne Wade as much as you've had in the past and over the years. So I, I think there is an opportunity that he could go elsewhere. Maybe it's all Where is he going, though? Where, where is he going? Maybe back to Cleveland. I mean, that's the situation. He's going back to Cleveland. The players don't, like, don't, like, don't want to be in Cleveland. Not Kyrie Irving. And they, they already got turmoil at Cleveland. He, that's, that's another owner. That 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 not racism, but you know that the LeBron has had some issues with. So why would he go back to Cleveland at this point? 
Well, I, I think it's a possibility. I mean, I don't know if it's going to happen, but I'm, I'm saying from the standpoint it'd be kind of a perfect situation for him and a perfect way for him to end his career in Cleveland, go back to Ohio. He is an Ohio boy. Go back to wants to win. If, if he wants to win multiple more rings. Is LeBron going to win more rings in Cleveland? He's not going back to Cleveland just to play basketball. LeBron's trying to compete with Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, and they have five or six rings. LeBron wants five or six rings. So he's going to go somewhere where he can have players that want to come play with him. He's in a perfect situation from this standpoint. He can get people to come to Miami and play, and they will play for him in Raleigh, especially if they're winning rings. But Lamar wants to win multiple five, six rings, so he's going to have to stay somewhere or go somewhere where he can win. My thing is, yes, but is it in Miami? With Dwayne Wade being with Dwayne Wade, they will figure something out with Dwayne Wade in another year or two. You, you're right. I, I, see, this is what it is. Dwayne has three years left on that contract. They still got some good players. So Dwayne obviously would be like next year or maybe the fifth year. Dwayne might not make it to the last year of that contract. They might end this thing, Dwayne Wade. So really, Dwayne Wade, on a, if he doesn't opt out, which I know he. Probably in Dwayne Wade's got two more years left in Miami. If they don't try to move him, and you and also you can if you need to get another score or you want to do something, you still can move Bosch. So Bosch is a guy that they can move and get another get another star player because Bosch is making really good money. You can move Bosch and you can keep Wade there, but Wade really got two more years left on his deal because he probably won't see that last. He will he won't we'll see it, but he won't play the last year of the deal. But we'll see. I mean, he can opt out. Uh, LeBron can opt out. So LeBron's probably going to opt out. D Wade would not be very smart if he opted out, don't you think? He needs to stay on his contract. Probably from a financial standpoint, you're right. I mean, especially with his health being what it is at this point in his career. So, I mean, we'll see. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if LeBron stayed in Miami, but I definitely would not be surprised. Okay, okay. So what I'm saying to you, if LeBron can opt out, if LeBron, if they win a, a, a third ring, how is he going to leave Miami? I understand what you're saying. Well, if, he, if, they win, if they win three in a row, you can't walk away from that team. Well, maybe he can, maybe he can be under the mindset that, okay, I accomplished what I wanted to accomplish here in Miami. Let me go back to Ohio, go back to Cleveland. No, no, and, you can take Ohio out of the question. Why would he go back to Ohio? They're not going to win anything in Ohio. They'll be doing okay, the same about, thing he was doing in Ohio before. How about in L.A. with Kobe? Um... I don't, think, I don't. I don't. I don't see that. They, they got. They got salary cap issues. I don't see that working out in LA. I think Kevin Durant fits more. Kevin Durant might be in LA with Kobe in two years if, if that situation works out. Kevin Durant and Kevin Love. I don't see. I don't see. I don't see LeBron going to the Lakers. I, I don't think that. You know that. That won't. That, I don't think that'll work. I guess the question with Kobe is: Does he have two years? I mean, well, even if Kobe does. Even if Kobe doesn't have two years, I think they're going in another direction. I think Kevin Love and Kevin Durant are the two guys that they're eyeing in L.A. Who knows? And maybe he tries to find a way to link up with Melo somewhere. 
somewhere. I obviously, it can't be in New York. Mello, when I ask you, Paul, where's Mello going? I, does he try to go to Houston and fit in with them, or does he try to go to Chicago Bulls? I don't know. Here's the thing. You know, before before Phil Jackson came aboard, I was thinking it was a definite that Melo would leave New York. I'm thinking Melo might return to New York. I know he has a situation with his wife. His wife wants to be in New York, and I know Phil Jackson is there. The question becomes oh, – Phil wants to take less money, though. Phil wants to take less money to get more players. And here's the thing. Here's also the thing. The Knicks right now at this point in time during this season, they're, they're pretty much stuck. So if Melo can wait and, and play with the Knicks through this season and then with the hope and the belief that when certain contracts come off, I believe Stoudemire's contract comes off, Tyson Chandler's contract comes off. So you get those contracts off the books, and now you can go after a LaMarcus Aldridge, a, a Kevin Love, one of those guys in 2015. So, I mean, maybe Melo will, will, will want to stay in, in, in New York with Phil, and maybe he'll listen to what Phil has to say and believes that Phil can put together a team. I'm not necessarily sure Phil can do that because I've never seen Phil do it. So, you know, it, 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 I think Melo's going to stay in New York. I think he stays. Uh, I think he could stay in New York unless he gets uh, gets a better. If he if he gets a good chance to go to Houston, or uh, uh, you know, uh, and, and play with Harden and, and Dwight Howard and them, I, I don't see how how he stays in New York. I know Houston. I look at Houston; they would be better suited to go after a Rondo type. They need a point guard bad. They need a point guard in Houston. That that team they they don't defend very well and they're sloppy with the basketball. They need a Rondo type. Melo would be great, but I think they would need. I think Rondo would even be better for what they have. Well, maybe they draft the point guard. Maybe you need a point guard. You go draft one. But what about Chicago? Chicago's an interesting destination. I mean, obviously you have Derrick Rose coming back. You still have yeah, Noah. We can't trust Dave Rose. We we, we tried to trust <laughs> Dave Rose for two years. We got to bring somebody that we know can score in there. You let Nate Rollins. I know Nate Rollins got hurt. I don't understand. This is what I understand about Chicago. They had some good pieces. They had some guys that scored the ball. You know, you trade Dang. I understand that. But you bring Nate Robinson back. You bring Nate Robinson back. He was the one who let you get to the playoffs. But I know he tore his ACL this year. But you can't let go of. Of, of guys that are scoring and doing stuff for you like Nate Robinson was doing for him a couple of years ago. Pay the man a little money and bring him back. I mean, yeah, you look – I mean, Chicago, it's it's, it's, a, it's a tough situation there from the standpoint. They're, they've been doing the same thing for the past few years and just waiting for Derrick Rose and, and seeing what's going to happen with Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose comes back, gets injured again. I mean, obviously you have maybe the best center in the game in Noah – um, and, you know, you pretty much, I mean, what, Jimmy Butler's a guy on the rise. But other than that, what else do you really have in Chicago? Dang is gone. Boozer is really nothing special. I mean, and I know they have a foreigner coming over. I don't know his name off the top of my head who is supposed to be a guy that could do something for the Chicago Bulls. But, I mean, that would be a good destination also for Melo. I mean, he's still in a big city. 
is 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 this is gonna want to take a pay cut, or, or or is he gonna you know obviously he's gonna get different you know whatever not 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 as much as years to go to Chicago or whatever he does, but is Melo gonna want to do all that stuff to just stay in New York? We'll see what happens. Does his ego let him do it? Uh, even if it's for the best of the team, it's still we got egos involved here. So we, we, it's going to be an interesting offseason, and it's going to be a real – I think these final two series are going to be real good. You know, I think the fit uh, with Cleveland is a blue-collar city, and I think Johnny Football, if he can go there and, 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 and win some games and get some excitement, I mean, you know, I mean, he, he can make Cleveland a destination for people who want to go see uh see, see some football because uh he is really exciting. Now, how he's going to do in that cold weather is going to be another thing because it's going to be cold in Cleveland. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, we shall see. I mean, it should be very interesting. I want, real quickly before you get out of here, I know you're a big-time boxer fan and, you know, if you love the sport of boxing, you got to love what you saw last week with Mayweather and Maidana. What's your thoughts on what you saw? Uh, it was a real good fight. Uh, Floyd won the game, won the fight. Um, Madonna's tough. But, you know, even if they're a rematch, what, can Madonna catch up with him? I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I really want to see that again. I mean, I, 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 I mean, I want to see... You got some young brothers coming up, Sean Porter, uh, the Life mm-hmm. Can't Kid from Florida. You got some young Thurman, brothers that can fight. Yeah, you got some young brothers that can fight. I know they're talking about Amir Khan, but I really don't want to see Floyd fight Madonna again. If Floyd wants to fight Pacquiao, I want to see him fight Pacquiao. At least sure. I want to see him fight. I, 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 on Floyd's way out, I want to see him fight some different guys on the way out. And I know to Florida, it's all about what, what they're going to bring to the gate and how much money he's making at the end of the day. And he's trying to take home, you know, $30-something million before pay-per-view in every fight. So I think that's what Florida's looking at. But I like to see Florida fight Pacquiao myself. I still like to see Florida fight Pacquiao before he leaves. And, and, and maybe Amir Khan and some of, these, some of these young boys that are coming up that can really fight. I would love to see it. I just don't, from the business, from just, you know, the, the, the situation with Top Rank and Golden Boy and just, just you know, Bob Arum and Floyd Mayweather, I just don't know if it will ever happen. But, I, I mean, I hope, I would love to see I, it I, I, I don't want to see him fight Madonna again. I, you know, we saw that fight. It was a good fight. Madonna's tough. We know he was tough before the fight. He can take a punch. He, but but he's still, can he, Floyd ain't slowing down enough right now for him to catch up with Floyd. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Madonna was making an interesting fight. He was throwing, he was throwing them, them haymakers, trying to hit Floyd, and just throwing wild punches, though. But really, truly, you know, I, you know, as long as Floyd is Floyd and he's got, he can move around, Madonna's not going to be able to catch him, and, and he, Floyd's going to out punch him like you know, like he like he like he normally does. And I think it'll be a good fight, but I don't see him beat him. And, you know, like I said, I would like to see Floyd fight. Some different guys, like you said, you got some young guys coming up that can fight. Maybe they get one more fight under their belt before they fight Floyd. But uh, I think a couple of those guys can, 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 can be a good fight for Floyd because they have good good hand speed and, and uh, they got some power with them. For sure. Well, we'll see what happens. Willie, pleasure talking to you, man. 
Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Let's do it again. Oh, you too. Willie Rofe, Hall of Famer. Pleasure getting his take on all things sports, not just the NFL. A lot of interesting takes from the great Willie Rofe. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean see. anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was, trying to throw uh, you, you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt marry women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around you. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all right. That's not Roxy. That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. (laughs) And we're back. Again, pleasure being joined by Hall of Famer Willie Rowe. Great to get his take on all things the National Football League. As we said, the NFL draft is, is still going hot and heavy at this point in time. And one of the biggest stories that came from not necessarily the draft, but just the NFL in general, was Josh Gordon. We talked about a little bit with Willie Rowe, but Josh Gordon, he's probably facing a season-long suspension, and that's big time. And that's for another failed drug test, this time for marijuana. And you look at the situation with Josh Gordon. I mean, this is a kid, 23 years old. This is a kid who, who was big time last season for the Cleveland Browns, led the league in receiving yards, played 14 games, and he missed two games last year for violating the drug policy. And that was because of, of codeine, he said, and some cough syrup that he took. But anyway, he missed two games last year with the Cleveland Browns because of suspension. He comes back, and he puts up big-time numbers, 87 catches, nine touchdowns, 1646 receiving yards. I mean, the first player with consecutive 200 receiving yard games. I mean, this guy had a monster year, and who was throwing the football to him? Brandon Whedon, Brian Hoyer, uh, Jason Campbell. Those were the three quarterbacks throwing the football to Josh Gordon last season, not the who's who's in NFL quarterbacks throwing the football to Josh Gordon. He still put up big-time numbers, big-time numbers. But I, I, I look at this whole situation. Here's the thing. At the end of the day, as I talked to Willie Rowe, I don't smoke marijuana, I don't touch the stuff. But, I I, I mean, I I look at it now and I look at this situation, you know, you you look at how society views marijuana. some people who believe that. There's some people who believe There's some people who believe 
some people who believe that let's get the technical difficulties taken care of. You listen to Go For on the Block Talk right here. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. <laughs> we see what you can do. We've seen it. <laughs> I would never bring my wife around you. I, I yeah, just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. That's all. <laughs> That's not Roxy. That's <laughs> called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're Thanks. very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> so- and we're back. I think we cleared up those technical difficulties that we had. Got it all cleared up. We're back, ready to go. Josh Gordon, and the whole situation with Josh Gordon his whole, and, and how it went down with him. The, the bottom line is this, and, and you know, at this point in time, we look at marijuana and how it's being viewed and everything. Here's the thing. Whether or not you agree that marijuana needs to be legalized or, or, or needs to stay illegal, I know it's, it's legal, legalized in Colorado, but whether you feel that way or, or don't feel that way, here's the bottom line when it comes to Josh Gordon. If the league, that being the NFL, tells you that you cannot smoke marijuana, at the end of the day, you shouldn't be smoking marijuana because it's a privilege to play in the National Football League. Not everybody gets to play in the National Football League. Not everybody is able to play in the National Football League, so it's a privilege. So when you have that opportunity to play in this league, you have to do what you have to do to stay in this league. You have to, to avoid some of the things that will kick, kick you out the league. And as far as Josh Gordon is concerned, he, he needs to, to, to get himself together. He's got to get himself together, got to get himself right. He's got to. And if he's not, then he's going to be dealing with what he's dealing with right now, and that is possibly being on the outside looking in because of marijuana. Now, again, again, whether you believe it should be legal or not legal, at the end of the day, if someone says you can't smoke it, and if you do smoke it, you could get yourself fined, you could get yourself suspended for a long period of time, you shouldn't do it. I mean, this guy could have cost himself a lot of money here. A lot of money. A lot of money. This man has cost himself a lot of money because he's not, and he cannot, Stop smoking weed. I mean, this guy's gotten himself in trouble in college with these type of things. I mean, he, he's got to grow up on some level. He's got to grow up on some level. And maybe the NFL shouldn't come down so hard on him because at the end of the day, it's just marijuana. But I think at the same time, if the league says you can't smoke it, you can't smoke it. That, I mean, it, it really doesn't get any simpler than that. If it says if the league says it's a banned substance, 
then it's a bad substance. If the league says you can't touch the stuff, then you can't touch the stuff. This is what the league is saying. If the league is saying that, do you need to stay, uh, stay away from it and avoid it at all costs? But maybe this will be a wake-up call for Josh Gordon because he has talent, a lot of talent, 87 catches, 1646, nine touchdowns, oh, by the way, in 14 games. So if you would have added two more games, you, you could be talking about, what, maybe 100 catches, maybe 17, 1800 yards. I mean, that's what you could have talked about when it comes to Josh Gordon. He had a heck of a season, a heck of a season last year for the Cleveland Browns. And they're definitely going to miss him. This has been a bad day, a great day for Johnny Menzel, but a bad day for Johnny Menzel and the Cleveland Browns because, you know, obviously you get drafted by the Browns, and obviously you're going to go there and probably at some point become the franchise quarterback or at least have an opportunity to do so. But you lose out now on your best wide receiver, your best weapon in Josh Gordon. Not a, It was a great day for Cleveland. But now it's a bad day for Cleveland on some level because of the possibility of losing Josh Gordon for the season. Isn't that just the way it happens for the great people in Cleveland? A lot of good for Cleveland came on Thursday night, but then a lot of bad yesterday with the possibilities of Josh Gordon. It's good in Cleveland. Now it's bad in Cleveland. It's just typical Cleveland, just the way it is as a Cleveland Browns fan. And it's just the way it is as a fan of Cleveland sports. I mean, you lose LeBron James the best player in the game. You, you sign and, and you, you, you draft a quarterback who many believe could be a stud in this league. Some believe may not be a stud in this league. But you sign it, you get a quarterback who gives you buzz. You do a good job with the draft. You pick up an, a 20, an additional 2015 first-round pick from the Buffalo Bills, a team who hasn't made the playoffs in a long time. And then this happens with Josh Gordon. Not a good day. For Cleveland Browns. You're listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio. The second hour of Go For It starts right now. Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! Thank you, sir. You got it, brother. Have a go, man. And we're back. Second hour of Go For It starting right now. In this hour, we're expected to be joined by Patrick Patterson of the Toronto Raptors. Toronto Raptors lost in heartbreaking fashion to the Brooklyn Nets in Game 7 in the playoffs, in these NBA playoffs. We haven't gotten into the NBA playoffs, and we'll get to that in this hour. Also, we may be joined by Cliff Rolls of BoxingScene.com to talk about what we saw last Saturday night in Las Vegas, Floyd Mayweather, Marcos Maidana. Let's go to the NBA playoffs now. and Obviously, another great night in the NBA. Another great night in the NBA. In these playoffs, you've seen a lot of great nights. 
And I don't want to say more so the first game because the first game was a, was a dud. You know, the Pacers and the Washington Wizards. And, and how about the Pacers? How about Roy Hibbert? I mean, we, we roasted. I've killed Roy Hibbert on Twitter from time to time. But now i got to get big ups to Roy Hibbert. He's turned this thing around for the, the Indiana Pacers. And the thing about it is you look how different this team is when Roy Hibbert plays the way Roy Hibbert can play. You, look, you see the difference in this basketball team. You see the difference. And I, I look at Cleveland, I mean, I look at Indiana. You look at last series against the Atlanta Hawks, that was a series where you had a situation where the Hawks matched up very well against the Indiana Pacers. Matched up very well against the Indiana Pacers. And Roy Hibbert against the Atlanta Hawks in during the regular season only averaged five points a game. So we really shouldn't be surprised from what we saw out of Roy Hibbert in the first round against the Atlanta Hawks because, again, he's only averaged five points a game against the Hawks in the regular season. And also, you look at the bigs for the Atlanta Hawks, Antich, Paul Millsap. Those guys had the ability to go outside in. And those guys played outside in, especially Antich. Antich was a jump shooter. You look at the Washington Wizards now, Nene, uh, Gortat, those guys now are guys who are going to play on the inside. They're going to play closer to the basket than, say, Antich, say, than, say, Paul Millsap. And so that's a, an advantage for Roy Hibbert. And, you know, that gives him an opportunity now to, to kind of anchor that defense. He had three blocks last night to go along with his solid play, and he came back, man. And, you know, I, was, I didn't see the, the – it was game two. I didn't see most of that game. I, I called it in the second half. And so one of the things I do, I was en route to, to, to my house to go watch the game, but one of the first things I did was I looked at the box score. And this was around halftime, and I saw Roy Hibbert – had like 10, 12, 13 points. And I'm saying to myself, wow, this guy is balling. This guy has gotten it back together. And then when it was all said and done, he finished the game with 28 points, 10 for 13 from the field, nine rebounds. So he was a, he was a monster, two blocks as well. He was the Roy Hibbert, the all-star Roy Hibbert, the, the max guy Roy Hibbert. He was that guy. He was that guy. And you get that kind of production out of your big man, Roy Hibbert, that's going to help the Indiana Pacers big time. That's going to help them big time, and it helped them big time not only on Wednesday night, but last night Roy Hibbert had another solid game, 14 points, five boards, three blocks. Another solid performance out of Roy Hibbert. And another solid performance, and guess what? Another Indiana Pacer victory. And the thing about, you know, the Wizards and, and the talent that they have, you thought after game one and, and the way the Roy, Roy Hibbert was playing, you thought that maybe the Wizards could, could dominate this series. You thought there was a possibility that the Wizards could dominate this series. I, I still believe that the beginning of these playoffs that the Indiana Pacers would still make it to the Eastern Conference Finals and face off against the Miami Heat. I thought that at the beginning – and, and I still think that now, 
even with everything that we've seen. But you thought after game one that, hey, the Washington Wizards, this team might be able to to not only – they might be able to win this series and get to the Eastern Conference Finals. How crazy would that be if the Washington Wizards were in the Eastern Conference Finals? But anyway, anyway, you thought that was the possibility, that that would happen. You thought that was a possibility. But then after these two games, the Indiana Pacers have really stepped up their play. And the the guy who, who they need to step up their play, his play has stepped up his play in Roy Hibbert. Last night was ugly. And last night was ugly, but Paul George said that's the way they like to play. They like it ugly. They like to win ugly. That's their style of play. And last night they play, they won ugly, and they got the victory. And now they're up two games to one in this series and take back the home court advantage, which is key moving forward for the Indiana Pacers. The Washington Wizards only 63 points in that game, 63 points. And obviously you got to do better than that. you definitely got to do better than that. And I look at this Wizard team, no matter what happens in this series, there's a future. That future is bright with that backcourt of Bradley Beal and John Wall. The, the future is definitely bright there in Washington with what you have in that backcourt. You know, that, that could be the best backcourt in basketball in the next year or so. Bradley Beal is for real. He is for real. Had an off-shooting night last night, but as, as a whole, he's for real. He is for real for the Washington Wizards, only 20 years old, only 20 years old. This guy has put up and, and has had a, a great playoff run thus far for the Washington Wizards. But, again, the, the, the Indiana Pacers get back home court last night as they win in, in, as they win in Washington, I should say, 85-63. to 63. And, again, it wasn't even close. Wasn't even close. Wasn't even close. And I look at now what we saw last night in the nightcapper with the OKC and the LA Clippers. And that was, again, those two teams, man, they play at a high level. The athletes that are on the court and on the floor in that series with Westbrook and Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan, even Kevin Durant for that matter, the athletes that we see on that basketball court during this series is just phenomenal and amazing, absolutely amazing. And I look at Westbrook and, and OKC and, you know, the, the thing about in game one, you look at game one, that was about Chris Paul hitting those eight threes. That was about that and Chris Paul playing at a fairly high level, not a fairly high level, a high level. But then game two, Westbrook has a triple-double. Kevin Durant almost had a triple-double. And then the OKC kind of takes it over and wins that particular ball game. And, you know, they routed, they dominated that game. And then last night, last night was back and forth, a lot of points scored. And, you know, obviously 118-112, if you're the Clippers, you don't want that many points scored. And quite frankly, if you're OKC, you don't want that many points scored. But at the end of the day, the Thunder, they shot the lights out of that ball last night. And Westbrook and Durant, you get 59 out of those guys, you know, you give yourself a great opportunity to win basketball games. You give yourself a great opportunity to win this series. I mean, Westbrook was 23-13, and 23-13, and 13 and KD, 36 points. Those 23 and those 13 assists out of Russell Westbrook is what you want to see out of your point guard. Those are numbers, those are the type of numbers you want to see from your point guard. You want your point guard to be able to distribute that way. 13 assists is what you want out of Russell Westbrook. 
13 assists. That's what you want. And I remember uh, what, what game, it might have been game, might have been game five against the Grizzlies where Westbrook put up 31 shots. And you, you look at that box score and you're saying 31 shots is, is, is way too many shots from your point guard. You don't want your point guard hoisting up 31 shots. Too many shots. Too many shots last night, uh, that night for Russell Westbrook. Way too many shots. But, I mean, last night the 23 and the 13 is, is huge. 23 points and the 13 assists. I mean, that's huge. And only 14 shots. Only 14 shots. KD had 24 shots. So, you know, obviously you're happy with that type of play. And only two turnovers last night for Russell Westbrook. So a, a credible stat line for Russell Westbrook. A, a great night for Russell Westbrook. And a great night for OKC. And now they take back home court advantage. And now they're up two games to one. They're up two games to one. And this series is going to go long. This is probably a seven-gamer. I think the Wizards and, and, and Indiana is a seven-gamer, and I think this one's a seven-gamer. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this series plays out. A lot of great basketball to be played. We're going to bring in a guy now who played some great basketball for the Toronto Raptors. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Patrick Patterson of the Toronto Raptors. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean season. anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw uh, you. you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. <laughs> we see what you can do. We've seen it. <laughs> I would never bring my wife around to. I yeah, just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's holy. That's not Roxy. <laughs> That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're Thanks. very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> so- we're back, and we're going to bring in a guy now who had a great season for the Toronto Raptors. And the Toronto Raptors had a great season. I mean, no one expected 48 wins. No one expected an Atlantic Division title from the Toronto Raptors. And they came out and they surprised everybody and took the Brooklyn Nets to seven games and lost in heartbreaking fashion to the Brooklyn Nets. But one of the reasons the Toronto Raptors were able to win 48 games is this guy. Let's bring him in now forward for the Toronto Raptors, Patrick Patterson. Patrick, how are you? I'm doing all right. How you doing? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. No problem. Patrick, it's been a week since Game 7 against the Brooklyn Nets. Looking back on that game, what, what went wrong for you guys? Um, most importantly, couldn't stop Joe Johnson. Um, he was able to use his size down low in the post, and whenever we put a, a stronger, taller defender on him, he took us out on the perimeter and scoring at will so stopping Joe Johnson during that you know that that last stretch in the game seven I thought was key to our loss and also you know we fought you know we put ourselves in a a strong position to win the game just couldn't capitalize at the end 
Now you were on the court for the final play of the game. Take us through that play. What happened? Yeah, so pretty much, you know, Kyle Lowry was, you know, the man down the stretch. He was attacking the basket, getting to the free throw line, so we felt like the ball should have been in his hands and his in game. We got him the ball with about six and a half seconds left. I ran up, set a slip, pick and roll, uh, got some separation, but I think they trapped him, but somehow he was able to get out the trap. He lost the ball, um, and then we tried to corral it. He came up with the ball and tried to get up a shot at the end, but Paul Pierce just made a, made a spectacular play. He came over and made the block to seal it for the Brooklyn Nets. And you look at this series, you look at the Nets, this was a team with a lot of experience. Pierce, Garnett, Joe Johnson, these have played in a lot of playoff games. Do you think experience played a role in this series? Uh, a little bit, yeah. You know, especially in the beginning, uh, you know, game one especially, you know, it was our first playoff game, so a lot of guys had a lot of jitters. Uh, they were nervous, so we gave up game one. Then also playing in Brooklyn, not being used to, you know, playing on the road in that kind of environment. And also throughout the series, just not knowing when to attack and when to slow down and, and when to do this and when to do that since it was a lot of our first experience in the playoffs. So I think right. experience played somewhat of a role, but I think we're able to overcome that effect. You played the regular season. You played in the playoffs. Talk about the difference in terms of regular season in comparison to the playoffs. Oh, man. Um, just the intensity of each game. Um, each game is pretty much a season in its own way. Uh, the fans are, you know, out of this world. There's just so much passion, so much energy, uh, a lot more focus, and everyone's playing a lot harder. So the game itself is overall just, just more tough. We're talking to Raptors forward Patrick Patterson. And, Patrick, looking at this team, the Toronto Raptors, you guys came from the Kings. Along, you came from the Kings, I should say, with Chuck Hayes and Grievous Vasquez yeah. and John Salmons, and ultimately you came to the Toronto Raptors. At this point in time, and that was in the Rudy Gay trade, you look at that trade, and everybody was saying at that point, okay, the Raptors are looking to tank at this point. The Raptors are looking to go after an Andrew Wiggins or, or Jabari Parker. They're looking to get into that sweepstakes. But you guys took off as a team from there. What do you think happened? Yeah, you know, when I came into the situation, the talk of tanking and uh, trying to, you know, get through the season as quick as possible in order to get a high draft pick was what everybody was talking about. You know, there was a lot of criticism on this team, but we were able to overcome that. You know, we focused on each other and these group of men in those locker room, shut out all the naysayers and all the negativity and just bought into what the coach staff was telling us. You know, we were sharing, moving the ball, averaging high assists. You know, DeMar started to emerge as a superstar, and Kyle put the team on his back. And, you know, each guy developed into their own role, and we bought into our roles, and no one stepped outside of that. And whenever everything, you know, we're putting in and, and working on and focusing on is allowing us to win games, that causes each individual to buy into to what's going on. And, Thus, you know, we had such a successful season. You know, everyone was just having fun. Did this surprise you a little bit? It did. I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, <laughs> just coming into the situation and uh, seeing the record, you know, seeing the fans and uh, reading all, you know, the criticism and all, you know, the negative comments on this team. You know, uh, when we first started off and we started beating Dallas and Oklahoma City and Indiana, 
um, it shocked me, you know, but then I started believing in myself and believing in, you know, each and every one of my teammates, and they started doing the same thing, and then it just took off. We're talking to Patrick Patterson, the Toronto Raptors, and Patrick, you are a restricted free agent, so the Raptors can match any deal that a team get offers you. Would you like to right. return to Toronto? Is that your ultimate goal? Uh, my ultimate goal is just to be in a positive environment, be in a solid okay. situation to where I'm playing, you know, whether I'm starting, of course, you know, that's every NBA player's dream is to start on the team, you know. But for me, if I can't start, then making sure I'm coming off the bench uh, in a system to where, you know, it best fits me and my style of play and I'm getting solid minutes. So at the end of the day, would I like to stay in Toronto? Yes, of course. You know, I love the fans. I love the organization. I love the team. Uh, and I love, you know, this this basketball uh, stage, you know. But at the end of the day, again, I am a restricted free agent, so there is that appeal, you know, to seek other teams and see what they have to say. Does this system work for you? Yeah, it does. You know, um, coming in when I first got here, you know, I had to find my niche. Uh, and Coach Casey being a, a Kentucky alum, it, it became easy, and being okay. in Sacramento with Gravis and just knowing what Gravis likes to do as far as pass the ball and drive and us, you know, being a one-two punch together out there. As the season progressed on, I got more comfortable. You know, my role started showing itself, and um, I was able to, you know, get shots. I was knocking out shots and just being more comfortable out there. So the system that the coaching staff here provided for us allowed me to showcase my abilities, and at the end of the day, it was great. Now you're going into this off season, and I heard some believe that you need to work on your post game and your mid range yeah. game. Your thoughts on what you need to work on in this off season? With me, you know, just continually um, getting better with my jump shot. You know, uh, a few tweaks here and there to you know be more consistent uh, with my mid range and my three point shot. But a lot of focus with my post. You know, um, getting back to the bread and butter, being able to score my back to the basket offensively and also defensively, you know, work on my lateral quickness, being able to stay in front of a guy on the perimeter and also guard in the post and just get stronger overall, you know, get my whole body stronger and be able to be a lot more physical. Now, Patrick, you guys, the Toronto Raptors, got a little taste of these playoffs, ultimately made it to a game seven in the first round in your building. Ultimately, you would lose, but it was the first time that the Raptors made the playoffs since 2008. Moving forward, what do you guys take from this loss to the Brooklyn Nets in the first round? Just, you know, we have so much to build on. You know, we have the the fight in us, the willingness to get better in that drive. Uh, you know, we have that taste of defeat in our mouths, and that's something that we have to get rid of and, you know, do whatever it takes to get past that point. And, you know, we can build on, you know, depending on who returns and, you know, what happens during this off season, And there's a lot of core guys, a lot of core pieces on this team. So depending on what the upper management guys do, you know, who they bring back and, and thus far. So there's a lot of stuff we can build on, a lot a lot of positives. You know, uh, we're, we're a young group of guys. Uh, we're a young team. And being able to make that run in the playoffs and, and do what we did in that first round against a veteran team, you know, it just shows that we can get better and we will get better. And one of those guys is Kyle Lowry, who had a tremendous season for the Toronto Raptors. He is an unrestricted free yeah. agent. We'll see what happens there with Kyle Lowry. I, I look at the Raptors and, and the fans. I mean, the, the crowds were incredible during these playoffs, inside and out. 
I mean, it was yeah. jam-packed. How was it playing in that building during the playoffs, man? Talk about the fan support. Man, that, that fan support was it was unbelievable. Um, it reminded me of the Big Blue Nation of Kentucky, just how rowdy they were, how crazy they were, the thousands of fans in the arena just just screaming and yelling. I got goosebumps a bunch of times, you know, when, when we went out there and they sang the national anthem. Normally it's just one singer, you know, on the court singing, but, you know, every single fan in that arena was singing the, the national anthem. And, and it was just emotional. It was powerful. Um, it was just just something that we could feed off throughout the course of the playoffs. And then you had the tens of thousands of fans outside, you know, watching it on the screen, just, right. just yelling, going crazy in the cold, in the rain, um, just just showing their support, showing their love. And it was something that we were all extremely grateful for. You know, every single player on this locker room and every single individual in this organization was happy and proud that we had that type of fan support. And you'd all wish that every single person outside could have, could somehow, you know, found their way inside and, and been in the arena and been able to, you know, witness it in person that way rather than on a screen. But, you know, at the end of the day, it was great. You know, it was uh, a remarkable experience, and the fans were, you know, just, just breathtaking, unbelievable, just something that, that's never going to be forgotten. And one of those fans was, was Drake, and Drake showed you guys love. Not only was he in Toronto, but he was also – in Brooklyn, how cool was it to see Drake at the games? Yeah, that was pretty cool. You know, um, for him to take time out of his busy schedule to come out to these games, you know, show his support, show his love and appreciation for the Raptors and uh, what we've got going on here, uh, it didn't go unnoticed. And then when he came out to Brooklyn, you know, that was definitely a surprise. You know, none of us knew that he was going to come up there. And, you know, they was eating him alive up there. You know, all the fans were yelling. They were putting him on the big screen with a – with a New York jersey on, so it was pretty wild, you know, but Drake was, you know, with us through and through, and, um, you know, I thank him for that personally. Now, Toronto Raptors, obviously, they have some decisions to make in the offseason, your decision they need to make, and Kyle Lowry as well. Two big pieces to this team. You guys, 48 wins, Atlantic Division title. How close, if this team does the things they need to do in the offseason, how close do you think you guys are to the elites of the league, the Miami Heats, the Indiana Pacers, the OKC Thunder? How, how close? You know, I don't think we're that far off. You know, just a few tweaks here, just a few additional pieces, and uh, just a little bit more experience, and we're right there. Um, you know, with this okay. taste of the playoffs for a bunch of us and DeMar emerging to an all-star, um, it just shows – the direction that we're heading into, you know, uh, we're only going to get better. Uh, JV is only going to get better. He's young, you know, he's a raw talent and he's going to work extremely hard this summer and come back even better next year. And there's just so many pieces on this team that allowed us to have the success that we had. And if you just add a, add a few more pieces, you know, whether it's a taller, stronger wing or if it's a, a shot blocker, someone to help JV out down low, you know, uh, whatever it may be, just a few additional pieces and just, you know, more experience on this team, and who knows what could happen. Now, Patrick, you are on Twitter. Where can fans connect with you on Twitter? Yeah, you know, if they want to talk to me on Twitter, I'm always interacting with the fans, doing a giveaway or just doing whatever I can to, you know, just communicate with them. My Twitter is at P-D-P-A-T-T. So it's pretty much at P-D-P-A-T. Uh, on Twitter, same thing with my Instagram. If they want to follow me, if they want to talk to me, I'm more than willing to hit them back. Well, 
Now, Patrick, we have the playoffs going on right now. Real quickly, who do you see winning this whole thing? Who wins it all, in your opinion? In my opinion right now, uh, I would love to see, you know, uh, San Antonio and Washington, you know, in, in the finals. That would be great, you know. Um, you know, I have a lot of faith in John and, and Bradley Bill and Nene and Ariza and Gortat and what they're doing over there in Washington. But to me, it's looking like it's going to be pretty much a rematch of last year with Miami and Spurs, just the way Miami and, you know, LeBron's playing. And, you know, um, the Spurs are just such a fundamentally sound basketball team with no selfish play. They all buy into the roles. They just have so many pieces. And it's just – it's just unbelievable, you know. It's remarkable watching them play basketball, and just like I said with Miami, you know, LeBron James is just a man child out there, and when nobody can stop him, it's hard to you know go against that team. Now, real quickly, I want to go back to the series against Brooklyn. Coming into that series, there was a lot of talk how Brooklyn kind of tanked their last few games in order to play you guys. Did that bother you at all? No, not of us. No. Um, Okay. A lot of us actually wanted to play Brooklyn um, just because of what, you know, all the talking was going on, uh, all the rumors that were going on, and just the way we played against them throughout the course of that year. Uh, those four games, we felt like some of those games that we lost, we should have won. And it was just the physicality and the, all the emotion that went into those games. A lot of us actually wanted to play Brooklyn, and uh, when we heard, you know, they were tanking and losing games in order to get to us, you know, we were happy with it, you know. Uh, a lot of us were just focused on the playoffs itself, being that it was a lot of our first time, so the opponent really didn't matter. But to say that, you know, Brooklyn wasn't on our mind, we'd all be lying because we know that that was one of the opponents that we were looking forward to the most. Fans, support some of the great things going on with Patrick Patterson. Follow him on Twitter at PDPat. That's P-D-P-A-T-T and support some of the great things going on with Patrick Patterson. Patrick, a pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Let's do it again. I appreciate it, man. Take care. You too. Patrick Patterson, forward for the Toronto Raptors. And it seems he's open to whatever. I mean, it's the business of basketball. This is the business at the end of the day. And in the business you got to do what's best for you. And we'll see what happens with Patrick Patterson. He is a restricted free agent, so in a lot of ways the Raptors control a lot of things that goes on with him at this point in time. But if a team does come along and offers him a decent amount of money, Raptors may not be willing to match it. So we shall, we shall see what happens. But obviously a great series with the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, that was, a, that was an action-packed series. That was a back-and-forth type series, and it was a seven-game series. We had three, five-game sevens in that first round. We've never seen that before. And you could argue, make an argument as these playoffs progress, and I know some of those game sevens were a dud, but that particular game, the Raptors and, and the Nets wasn't a dud, and the Clippers and Golden State wasn't a dud. But the rest were duds. They were duds. I mean, Indiana and, and Atlanta was a dud. Uh, OKC against um, – the Memphis Grizzlies was a dud, and we knew that was going to be a dud after Zach Randolph got suspended for not a punch, I don't think. I think it was a push. I don't think it was a punch, but he got suspended anyway. So you knew that one was going to be a dud. You don't want it 
to be a dud, obviously, because you you had all those game sevens. And who wants to see duds with game sevens? Game sevens are uh, one of the most exciting things in sports. Who wants to see that? And then the Mavericks Spurs was also a dud. Well, I mean, it wasn't even close. It was a blowout. That game was over in the first quarter and definitely over by the first half. So, you know, it was a dud. But uh, anyway, I mean, this has been a great NBA playoffs. Donald Sterling's situation aside, this has been a great NBA playoffs. And, you know, great. And it was, it was, it was, it was too bad that we had to talk about the Donald Sterling situation when there was all this great basketball to talk about on the court. Too bad we had to go off the court with Donald Sterling for a period of time. And we'll see how that whole situation plays out. It should be interesting to see. I know his wife wants to get involved on some level, and I know they hired a new CEO, but I know the wife wants to get involved on some level. But, you know, we'll see how that plays out and see if that will work. I know she was a part of the housing discrimination lawsuit. So, you know, I mean, it's it's kind of whether – it's pretty much guilt by association, but it might be just flat-out guilt for some of the things she's done in terms of, of her feelings and how she's acted towards other races in her life, other races, I should say, in her life. So I'm not saying she's a racist. I don't know if she's a racist. I don't know her. I don't know her. But, you know, I think it would be best for the NBA as a whole from a business standpoint to try to get as far away from any Sterling and, and the Sterlings in general, it, it would be in our best interest to get as far away from the Sterlings as possible. But we'll see how that situation plays out. I want to go to boxing now. Last weekend, last weekend we saw a great fight. The moment, Floyd Mayweather, Marcos Maidana. I mean, it was a great, great fight. It was a great fight. No one expected that fight to be as close as it was. I mean, it, it, usually with a Floyd Mayweather fight, by the ninth, tenth round, maybe the eighth round, you're saying, okay, this fight's pretty much done. This is a pretty much this fight's pretty much done, and by the time you go to the scorecards, it's pretty much anticlimactic. You know, it, it's it's you already know what happens, you already know who won, and it's really anticlimactic. So this was much different against Marcos that Maidana. Do I think Floyd Mayweather won the fight? Definitely. I think he won the fight. I, I mean, I didn't score the fight, but I think if I was to score the fight, it would probably be seven rounds to five. Probably. Yeah, I would I would probably say seven to five in that particular fight. And 115-113, I would say, because it was a really close fight. And Maidana... See, Maidana had the perfect game plan. You, you're not going to... You know, you like you got Canelo Alvarez who fought fought Floyd Mayweather um, last week, not last week, last year, and his strategy was to box Floyd Mayweather. He didn't go after him. He didn't try to make Floyd Mayweather uncomfortable. Marcos Maidana, on the other hand, did whatever he had to do to make Floyd Mayweather uncomfortable. He made Floyd Mayweather uncomfortable. His goal was to make Floyd Mayweather uncomfortable. His game plan was to make Floyd Mayweather uncomfortable, and he did it. He did it. But Mayweather dug deep in that fight, and he did what championship fighters do in big moments. He did what, what, what legends do in big moments. They come up big, and they step up their game. And Floyd Mayweather stepped up his game big time in that particular fight. Later in, those, later in, the, in the fight, he stepped it up. He took control of the championship rounds, 
and it got him this victory. But he was tested. And here's the thing about it. This particular fight is great for Floyd Mayweather, the businessman. From this standpoint, you know, A, he wins, so he continues to be undefeated. But B, you know, there was talk that maybe Amir Khan would be next. But now, and you got the sense that maybe he was running out of legitimate opponents, not necessarily legitimate opponents, but opponents who could test him, but also at the same time sell. So now you have a situation for Floyd Mayweather where he beats Maidana, but he beats him in close fashion. It's a close, competitive, entertaining fight, and it has people wanting more, and it has people talking about a possible rematch. So now you can bring Maidana back in September. He's a guy that probably can sell pay-per-views, get you over those, that million pay-per-view threshold. He can probably do that for you. He may have done it this time around, but definitely can do it. He definitely can do it the next time around. So now you have a guy that you can legitimately sell as a threat to Floyd Mayweather. So in terms of business, this is a great thing for Floyd Mayweather. In terms of business, I mean, it can't, it doesn't get any better than that. You have a legitimate opponent that people legitimately believe can beat you, and some, some people thought did beat you. So you have that opponent now, and Marcos Maidana, who, again, many people believe actually beat you. I don't think he did, but there are people who believe he did. But you have a guy who can sell a fight. You have a name that can sell pay-per-views. That's big. That is big. So Floyd Mayweather, the boxer, won. Floyd Mayweather, the businessman, won. So now he has a guy set up for September. He has a guy set up for September. And now we'll see what Amir Khan can do. He had an impressive performance against Louis Colazzo and ultimately won that fight. Knocked Colazzo down, what, three times and pretty much dominated that fight from beginning to end. So you have that guy, and if he can win some more fights, he becomes legit. I mean, Sean Porter is a guy that's building a resume for himself, beat Devin Alexander, and destroyed Paulie Malignaggi. And then you have Keith Thurman, one time, who's making a mark for himself and is moving up the ranks himself and is is really turning himself into a legitimate Mayweather opponent in 2015. So, Floyd Mayweather shows vulnerability, great for business. Floyd Mayweather now has an opponent for September, and Marcos Maidana, an opponent that can sell pay-per-views. This was the perfect situation for Floyd Money Mayweather, the perfect situation, the perfect storm. You have a credible opponent now. You were exciting in your fight, you now will probably be able to sell pay-per-views, a lot lot of pay-per-views, and a lot more than you got for this fight this time around, moving forward, if you fight Marcos Maidana in September. Again, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But that was a great fight, and it was a great card. I mean, the Golden Boy, Mayweather Promotions, and those guys, they do a great job of, of putting together good pay-per-view cards. 
I mean, you got top rank, Bob Arum. You, you got one good fight on there, and the rest are duds. Here, Adrian Broner, hate him or love him, he's exciting to me. And he always does something, finds a way to do something stupid or say something stupid. He's the can man, and that got him into some trouble. But it is boxing at the end of the day, and those guys do talk a lot of trash. And it's on cable, so you're able to get away and say certain things. I don't think it's as big of a deal as maybe some people made it out to be. And he's always talked about being the can man and Dominican and beating up Africans and Mexican and any other can. So we'll see what happens with Adrian Broner, but he always is always exciting. And Amir Khan, I mean, Louis Calazzo, that was a decent welterweight fight. So it was, it was a solid pay-per-view from top to bottom, Seventy four ninety nine. That was expensive, man, for the HD. That was expensive. A lot of money came out of my pocket that particular day, Seventy four. 99, but it was worth the 74.99. I have to say, I definitely enjoyed the fight, and it was definitely an exciting fight, and it definitely is good for business if you're Floyd Money Mayweather. We'll see what happens moving forward, and I'm excited to see what may be for Mayweather moving forward. Who is next? Will it be Maidana again? Or will it be, will it be, who will it be? That's hard to say. But it should be interesting no matter what. And Floyd Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather knows how to sell a fight. And he's making a lot of money, a minimum of $32 million. $32 million in minimums. 32 And it could be a whole lot more after pay-per-view is tabulated. And, and, you know, last time we saw Marcos Maidana, you know, really, other than this Mayweather fight, the last time we saw him lose was against Devin Alexander. Devin Alexander dominated him in that fight. Wasn't even close. Was not even close. And speaking of Devin Alexander, we're going to have Devin Alexander on next week as he prepares for his fight against Jesus Soto Carras, July 12th, on the undercard of Canelo Lara. So we're going to have Devin Alexander on next week to talk about his fight. And I definitely want to get his take on Maidana and to see if he's seen any improvement out of Maidana since they fought uh, many years ago, a few years ago. And Devin Alexander was was dominating in that fight, so much so that, you know, Maidana was talking about retirement after that fight. I mean, it was, it was, it was that dominating of a fight for Devin Alexander, and that was back in 2012, February of 2012. What, that was two years ago, more than two years ago. So, I mean, it, it does seem that Maidana is a different fighter. How much of a different fighter? We'll see. I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I, I guess based off what we saw against Mayweather and, and based off what we've seen in his past few fights before Mayweather, that maybe he is a different fighter. Devin Alexander doesn't believe so. I know, I know he's talked about that on Twitter. But we're going to have Devin Alexander on next week, and we're going to talk about it with Devin Alexander, get his thoughts on what he saw last week against with Maidana and Floyd Money Mayweather. We look at the NFL draft. It's continuing to move on and on. And, you know, what are we in now? What, what round are we in now? Let me check. What round are we in? We are in the fifth round. Fifth round. So this will go seven rounds and should be over. Well, in the next few hours or so. But, you know, at this point, a lot of guys 
still on the board. Michael Sam, still on the board. And we all know about Michael Sam. It should be interesting to see where he goes moving forward. I mean, the thing about it, it, you look at this NFL draft, the first day was about Clowney and Mantell, and more so Mantell than anybody. He was the talk of this draft. Where is Johnny Mantell going to go? And I think now that day number three in this draft, I think the talk is now Michael Sam and some of those quarterbacks in the SEC, where are they going to go? And then Michael Sam, you know, where he's going to go? Because, you know, we haven't really, other than what, he had a, the combine run. It's been kind of quiet in terms of Michael Sam talk, and which is not a bad thing in my mind because it was just it was just too much about nothing, pretty much. It was just sexuality when it comes to Michael Sam, and it was like, who cares? But anyway, we'll see what happens with Michael Sam and, and who is going to draft him. We're in the fifth round at this point in time. Many said Michael Sam would go possibly around this time. So... The question becomes, who does Michael? Who drafts Michael Sam? Where does he go? Where does he go? Who will draft Michael Sam? Who gives him an opportunity? Who gives him an opportunity? And who is ready for the attention that will come the way of those teams? Whoever drafts Michael Sam. Whoever drafts. Whoever gives him an opportunity. Should be interesting to see what happens, but I think that's the talk of day number three of the NFL draft and where and who will draft Michael Sam. Should be interesting, and you know the NFL draft, man, and you talk about the NFL and just how they print money. And, and that's what they do. I mean, they're just printing money with, with some of the things they've done with this draft. And, and this draft is, is big. I, I'm under the belief, I know the NBA playoffs are going on, but I'm under the belief that at least on day one of the NFL draft, if I'm the NBA, I might be inclined to shut down my playoffs because the attention that the NFL draft is getting is taking attention away from my product, taking attention away from the NBA playoffs. So I might be more inclined. I might be more inclined, if I'm the NFL, I'm the NBA, excuse me, to think about possibly not playing on that Thursday night, the same night of the NFL draft, at least the first round. I think if I'm the, NFL, if I'm the NBA, I would think about that. I definitely would think about that. Because again, it's hard the NFL is king in America and it's hard to compete against the NFL. And the NFL is as Charlie Sheen would say, is winning. And so anything they pretty much touch turns to gold. They have the Midas touch. So I don't want to compete with the Midas touch of the NFL. So if I'm the NBA Thursday night I would shut down my playoffs for that night and bring them back on Friday night because you can compete against the second and third round. It's hard to compete against the first round of the NFL draft. It's very hard. So that's what I would do if um, the NFL, in terms of the NFL draft, in terms of winners and losers, it's hard to say that thing. It's hard to say who's a winner, who's a loser when it comes to the NFL draft, at least 
just a day or two after. Because you're really just, you're still just speculating. You're really speculating. You really don't know what these guys will be. You really don't know who will be the winners and losers of this draft until, what, two, maybe three years from now. It's hard to say. It's hard to say who are the winners and who are the losers in this draft when you don't even, you're, you're just speculating. You're, you're really just speculating. That's all you're doing. You're just speculating at this point. So it's hard to say who are the winners and, and who are the losers. It's hard to say. It really is. But I look at some of the things that were done. I'm looking at some of the things that were done by certain teams. I love what the Browns did, getting that number one next year in 2015 from the Buffalo Bills. I love it. Getting Johnny Manziel. I'm not really sold on Johnny Manziel, but you need a buzz. So you got to give the Browns or Ray Farmer a lot of credit for what they did because they definitely put themselves in pretty good position with some of the things they did. Teddy Bridgewater going to the Vikings, I think that's a steal for the Vikings. I know a lot of people had Teddy Bridgewater as, if not the first, the second best quarterback in this draft. And he was a guy, you talk about Teddy Bridgewater maybe a few months ago, he was talked about as possibly being the number one pick in this draft, or at least going in the top five, top ten. He now goes at the end of the first round to a team that needs a quarterback in the Minnesota Vikings. So the Minnesota Vikings, as far as I'm concerned, Definitely, definitely got a still, possibly, in getting Teddy Bridgewater at the back end of this draft, at, excuse me, at the back end of this first round. I mean, I, I look at Bridgewater, and a lot of people were turned off by his pro day. And, and his pro day, he, he wasn't really that good. And, you know, I don't read too much into pro days. You know, the film is the film. What you do on the field is what you do on the field. But at the same time, you look at a pro day, a pro day is a pressure-packed situation. So it might give you an idea how a guy would react in a pressure-packed situation. Because at that pro day, you're looking to go there and impress and show GM scouts, coaches around the league that you can get it done, that you can play, and that you can make all the throws. You can make all the throws. So, I, I mean, I, I definitely see where teams may be turned off by what they saw in that pro day. But at the same time, the film is the film. And the Cleveland Browns, speaking of the film is the film, the Cleveland Browns, they paid $100,000, according to reports, to determine and to figure out who is the best quarterback in the draft. And that was done by former president, Joe Banner, who was running the Browns for a little bit. About a year in Cleveland, pretty much. Maybe two years he lasted. But anyway, their study, based on analytics and things of that nature, their study said that Teddy Bridgewater was the best quarterback in this draft. That was what their study said. Their study said that Teddy Bridgewater was the best quarterback in his draft. But according to Jimmy Haslam, a homeless guy said that they should draft Johnny Manziel. So I guess 
John, Jimmy Haslam and the Browns organization listened to the homeless guy and decided to go with Johnny Manziel. And from a marketing standpoint, can't argue with it. I mean, you just can't argue with it. Whether Now, if you feel that Bridgewater is the better quarterback, then you know maybe you take Bridgewater. But maybe Johnny Menzel may be just as good, if not better. He is a Heisman Trophy winner. He has moxie. He has swagger. I mean, the guy comes on the stage, does the money symbol sign, you know, in the air, talking, you know, doing the money thing that he always does, doing that, having fun, having a good time. I mean, he loves the attention. You definitely see that he loves it, but he loves the stage. He loves the big stage, and he's going to have that big stage in Cleveland. He's going to have an opportunity in Cleveland to, to real. He couldn't run that city. That could, I mean, he has that ability to run a city. Cleveland could be his city. That could be his city when it's all said and done. That could be his city. Jim, Jerry Jones, what, called him Elvis. That could be his city. He could run that city. I mean, LeBron James left. He's been gone for a while now, but that city needs somebody to run it. That city needs somebody to run it. And Johnny Manziel has the personality, the style of play, and if he can win, if he can win in Cleveland, he'll be a legend. He'll be an absolute legend if he can win in Cleveland. And I know you can get in trouble in anywhere, anywhere in, in the U.S. If you want to get in trouble, if you want to find trouble, you can get it. You, you can get it and you can find it. The thing with Johnny Manziel, as Willie Rove pointed out, which is a great point, at the end of the day, it's not like he's going to Miami. It's not like he's going to Los Angeles. There's not a team in Los Angeles anywhere for him to go to. It's not like he's going to New York. You know what I mean? He's going to Cleveland, Ohio. So that's a whole different stage than New York City. That's a whole different stage than New York City. He's only going to Cleveland, Ohio. So bottom line, if you can't stay out of trouble in Cleveland, Ohio, then really you can't stay out of trouble. And Johnny Manziel hasn't been in trouble like that. I mean, he had some situation, but I mean, I don't think it's, I would charge it more to youthful indiscretions. I mean, that's what I would, that's what I would charge it to, that, just, you know, being young, being young, being dumb, having a bunch of money in your pocket, having celebrity, having fame, and having a good time. So, but now at the end of the day, it's time for business. Now you get paid for this, for real. Now you get paid for real for all this. So now it's time for him to to get his focus. Time for him to do what he has to do now to become the best possible quarterback he can be. It's all 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 the all the BS is done now. You won a Heisman, great. Big man on campus, great. You hung out with Drake and those guys, great. Now it's time to show why you were a 22nd pick in this draft. Now it's time to show people why 
they think. Well, I mean, it's time to show people that you are for real. It's time to show people what you all, what you are about as a quarterback in the National Football League. That's what it's all about. It's time to show people that you can stay healthy. It's time to show people that you can stay in the pocket and make the necessary throws. It's time to show people that. And we'll see if Johnny Manziel can do that because that's what this whole thing is about. All the other stuff is all the other stuff. All the other stuff is all the other stuff. That's done. College is over. Now you're with the big boys. It's time to play like a big boy. It's time to act like a big boy. And that's what Manziel will do or has to do in his 2014 season. It would be interesting to see if he starts. Definitely will be interesting to see if he can start. Start out the season with the Cleveland Browns. But the preseason is going to be great. The training camp is going to be great. This is a rock star. This is Elvis, as Jerry Jones would say. And Jerry Jones said, you know, he didn't want to deal with Elvis. He didn't even want Elvis. Elvis Act is not for the Cowboys, according to Jerry Jones. And that wasn't funny when, when the Cowboys were on the clock and everybody was wondering, at number 16, does Manziel go to, to Dallas? Wouldn't that be – that would have been a great, great story, Manziel going to Dallas. And even at 21 when Philadelphia was on the clock, a lot of people were wondering, does he go to Philadelphia? Do the Eagles take Johnny Manziel? Do the Eagles decide to take Johnny Manziel? Do they take him? We all know Chip Kelly – tried to go after Johnny Menzel and recruited him out of high school. So the, the, the thought and the possibility was, would the Eagles at 22 go after Johnny football? I mean, so it was, it was fun. It was, it was definitely fun. You know, say what you will about Johnny football, whether he's good, bad, or what have you. He's definitely exciting, and he's definitely fun. Definitely fun. So we'll see what happens. Still in the fifth round. Michael Sam still on the board. A.J. McCarron still on the board. Murray out of Georgia still on the board. And a lot of people, you know, if you're looking, a guy and and Murray and, and, and McCarron, especially McCarron who's won a lot on the collegiate level, if you're looking for a guy who you believe could be a winner, in the National Football League, who you believe could possibly play, this is the time that you, you know, give it a shot. Best available. Fifth, sixth round. This is the time you give it a shot and say, okay, maybe, maybe A.J. McCarron could play and, you know, be a quarterback in this league. Maybe he can. Maybe. But we'll, we shall see as the NFL draft is concluding today. We're in round number five, round number five. And then at this point, this is for the diehards. You don't really know a lot of these guys. You really don't know. I mean, you figure after the third or third round, you know, in terms of the guys, it becomes sketchy in terms of who you know, who, who you are familiar with, who you've seen play, quite frankly. So we'll see. I want to thank Hall of Famer Willie Rowe for stopping by. Great to get his insight all NFL. I also want to thank Patrick Patterson of the Toronto Raptors for stopping by. Make sure you support all the great things going on with Patrick Patterson and follow him on Twitter at PDPA. Can't even talk. Follow him on Twitter at PDPA 
T T P D Pat. Follow him on Twitter, and that's Patrick Patterson. You can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pgan, or you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at GoForGant, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. Also, hit us up on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash user slash GoForGant, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. Next week, we're going to be joined by Devin Alexander, who was preparing for his fight against Jesus Soto Carras. We're also going to see if we can try to get some of the draft picks who were drafted today and throughout this weekend, see if we can get them on next week or here on Go For It. For everybody here at Go For It, we hope you have a great weekend. We hope you enjoy the NBA, NFL draft, the NBA playoffs, and all the other great things going on in the world of sports. For everybody here at Go For It, see you later. Take care. Bye. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.